Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 80 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. And hopefully getting you off the sofa and onto the saddle. That's the main name of the podcast. And I just want to read a review that has achieved that. And I love to get these reviews. This is a review on iTunes from JCA36. And um, I love this. This is why I do the podcast. Got me inspired to get back on the MTB five stars. Top show, five stars, Garth. Good fun with relaxed sense of humor. Easy listening with great guests that provides information on the MTB scene. I surf, SUP, bodyboard in the north coast of Ireland. Now I take the bike as well. That is awesome, JCA36. Thanks so much for the review. And, you know, it's why I do the podcast. Let's get guys off sofas, on saddles. Let's get them getting the mountain bikes out again. Let's get them on mountain bikes for the first time. And I try to inspire that and try to have guests on the show which inspire that and are keen to see the mountain bike scene grow in Ireland and it certainly is let's face it you know we uh, have a lot to be thankful for in Ireland that's for sure. Now on to today's show and it's a two-parter okay so this is part one next week will be part two and I've got Maeve Baxter on the show a total MTB legend And I was so stoked to get her on the show. She's been racing since the 90s. We chat about her wins, her losses, how things have changed over the years, how to stay safe in the trails, and what she's planned for the 2019 season. Now, if you listened to last week's show, I was chatting with Robert, the founder of Freewheeling, um, and I asked him who I should get on the podcast. The first words out of his mouth was, Maeve Baxter, what a legend. And you know what? He was right. So I reached out to Maeve, was kind enough to say yes, and she came on the show to tell her story. So we chat to Maeve about what the racing scene was like at that time when she started, how things have changed since then. Maeve tells us some great stories of the people she looked up to, the people she raced against, how her first race was done on a full rigid bike. You know, things have changed. And how she made her own body protection from old foam camping mats. It's a great story. Maeve's a great character. So we had a great chat and I split it into two parts. So this is part one. Next week you'll be able to hear part two. So sit back and enjoy this. It's great to chat to Maeve. She's such a cool girl and uh, we had such a good chat. And this is why the mountain bike scene has such a strong community in this country. And everywhere else across the planet. It's about people like me that are involved in it. It's just such a good sport. Just such a good pastime to be involved in. So listen, I will stop talking now. And I will welcome Maeve to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Maeve, welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. It's really awesome to finally get a chat with you. Thanks very much. Can't believe I'm being uh, pulled out of the archives anyway. (laughs) (laughs) well here you know as people like you we want to hear about we want to hear how this all started and how you're still racing at such a high level and things like that and we'll get into all that um but i have to give robert a shout out from 
freewheeling because Robert wanted me to get you on. Um, he said I should definitely get you on the podcast. You'd have loads to tell us and loads of good stories. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, you get me in all sorts of trouble now, isn't he? <laughs> um, so it was cool. He, he sent me, I want you to tell us about the video. He sent me a video of you out riding the trail quite recently. Yeah. And um, I'll put it in the show notes for people to have, a, to have a watch at. But the first thing he said to me was, yeah, I was out. We went around the trail. Maeve was there. I was testing out these new mics. Um, and he says to me, Maeve's too fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's nothing, you know, there's there's nothing like a wee bit of like, uh, I don't know, knowing that somebody's behind you or you're getting chased or beeps or tape or anything that just makes me uh, get blinkered and, and, and try and race away. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's funny because you see it in the video, you're there for like five seconds and then you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, know he he was at a slight disadvantage because uh, you know that's that's our local that's that's our local new trail so uh, that that's been tested uh, all those little sections we kind of I kind of know where everything is and uh, that's all been well that's all been very well tested from from my point of view um, cool. so I know all the sneaky lines. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Tell us a wee bit about that trail, will you? Because there's a really really good story behind that. Okay. Yeah. No. It's a uh, and I'll try not to cry. Um, We'd a, we'd a really good friend, um, Ed Lennox Cunningham, um, died of cancer there just, oh, it's only in October, so still still recently enough. But uh, Ed was kind of, um, he was into everything, sort of, uh, sort of like into windsurfing, um, into cycling, into into mountain bikes and, you know, computers and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he, he literally lived down the road from me. And, uh, but anyway, um, he had a really short... Um, he had a really short time from being told you've got cancer to actually dying. And uh, he's, he was, <laughs> he, he kind of took it all in a stride. And instead of, you know, kind of moping, he kind of started organizing stuff. And then, um, you know, one of the things he, or, he wanted us to organize was kind of like this sort of kind of club. Our, our club is Cucullin Cycling Club. So he wanted mm-hmm. us to to organize sort of a, a club sort of a day that would be a bit of biking, a bit of crack, a bit of food, jumbo seal that sort of stuff and then mm-hmm. uh so as a group as, as a club then um it it just it just took flight and and all of a sudden there's this this trail appearing in in ravensdale which got named after ed so it's the initials of it is elc which is it's his his initials and uh it kind of it's just uh it was just a kind of a an uh what would you describe it as a such a team kind of bonding kind of just fun it wasn't it was, there was never any sort of misery or anything about it I suppose but it was always kind of this positivity and people coming together and and uh, yeah so then ultimately then this Edfest that we ran was based around this trail that was named after after Ed mm-hmm. so uh, yeah <laughs> Rob you know and, and this is this is what happened it just like Robbie kind of contacted me and was like you know let's do a video on it let's have a bit of fun on it and uh yeah, just all these people kind of came in from every direction. Um, we had um, Miles McCarry from Galibier um, Cycling Gear. He mm-hmm. got in contact with me and was like, oh, here you have having a day. Come over and I'll give you gear. And like I got a box of Galibier gear from him to give out oh, to people. Um, we had Glenn O'Brien and Cato and Jack Devlin and all came across. They're all the Vitus crew. Um 
Michael Cowan, Mr. Nuke Proof Chain Reaction, he was down with us. Um, yeah, it was just a just a really, really good vibe. And uh, yeah, actually, yeah, Connor Campbell, who ended up winning um, King of the Hill, he was he's he's a green bike store. So mm-hmm. just just a lot of people came 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 together for it. It was lovely. It was really really nice. Isn't that fantastic? Yeah, it was just you know it, it hit all the right notes, you know, and amazingly. You know, we came out. You know, Ed's Ed's thing was he wanted us to raise money for and and to put it back into to youth cycling. He's got three kids of his own, you know, mm-hmm. and he he's he always dreamed that his kids would would bike. Now, um, whether they will or not, it doesn't really matter. But um, he wanted to go back into that. So, like the the bikers put together twelve hundred quid. That's on on one day. Like it was just wow. It was phenomenal. It was really, yeah. It was a really good buzz. His wife Lindis was there. Um, and she was, you know, she was touched, you know, and she did a shitload of work as well. She did all the food, <laughs> uh, along with her dad and her mum, you know, but yeah, just, it was, it was, an, it's a nice way to, to remember somebody. And, um, I think he'd, he'd have been, uh, pretty stoked, uh, that it, that it turned out the way it did. Yeah, I think so. And the, the lovely thing about that is you, you will remember him every time you ride the trail, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing, you know, and and you know, as as Linda's wife said, you know, there, in years to come, people would be like, "Easy, what does that stand for?" But we'll all know, you know, mm-hmm. and hopefully, you know, his kids, you know, hopefully his kids do right, and you know, various people will always remember that, and they'll always be like, "Oh yeah, this is Ed's trail, or this is mm-hmm. ESC," and you know, you know, and maybe maybe it'll be a yearly event that we, you know, it'll, it'll just yeah. you know, and, and you know, remember all those guys, you know, that that have gone. From the scene, you know, funny, um, Linda's give a lovely speech at the prize given, um, you know, and she remembered the likes of Richie Byrne and stuff like, like Richie was just a, a huge um, guy in, in, in the mountain bike scene and he he died of cancer as well, you know, but, um, you know, and we'd, we'd a few other people that, that we've lost along the way and yeah, it was just, she just, she remember, you know, she kind of, she was the one that kind of went, you know what, it's nice to, nice to remember people who have gone mm. on ahead of us. Ah, that's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, you know, mountain bikers can do it as a community. It's fantastic. Oh, do you know what? It's the, the, this whole thing. So this this sort of started before Christmas and like the crappiest weather, the coldest weather, you know, early starts. Um, and, and everybody's been in. Everybody's been working hard. Everybody's been grafting. And uh, I, like other than me, nobody's complained. I was the only <laughs> one that used to bitch about it all the time. But uh, yeah. Everybody else was cool with it. Um, and just, yeah, really good vibe. Yeah, good community. Cool. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, okay, awesome. That's great. And as I say, I'll put that wee video down in the show notes so people can can watch it. And um, it looks quite tough, that trail, too. There's a, especially when oh. it was wet like that. <laughs> Do you know what? It is, it is it's class when it's dry, but it was so wet. So it goes from kind of not there's nothing steep on it but it's kind of rudy and slippy at the top and then there's like a, a flattish section but it just was holding the water and it was so hard to get through uh mm-hmm. and then there's like little climbs there's wee kickers and cheap it is it's um it's a it's a tough old trail now um it's got a bit of everything in it I, I can't wait for a couple of dry weeks and for the whole thing to dry out because i'd say it'll just be it'll be fast it'll it'll, it'll roll really well it'll be a good yeah. crack yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All right, now let's chat a wee bit about you, Maeve. Now, when when Robert sent me your details, 
this is this is what the the start of the email says, right? Right. Joking you not, Maeve Baxter, your phone number, and then just simply, Irish MTB legend since the (laughs) nineties. I'm not that old now. I'm only 21. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah Harvey reminded me of that. She said, I think she said she sent me a text saying she was only five when I was when I was racing uh, when oh, I was doing man. my first race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. crazy, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's chat about that then. So, how did you get initially into mountain biking? Oh, my brother. Yeah. Uh, so, um, let me just think. So. Uh, we we grew up we grew up in in Restrever, so like Restrever obviously mm-hmm. now quite the mecca for mountain biking. Yeah. Um. And um. My dad was a horseman, so we were all we all grew up riding ponies and stuff. And my brother hated riding ponies, so um. He and his mate Connor Campbell, of Green Bikes, uh, got into mountain biking, and um. I I basically was the I'm older than him, but I was like the annoying little sister that tagged along everywhere. Right. So I used to I used to tag along behind Liam and Connor um, to you know on 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 the bikes mm-hmm. just around the fire roads in Restrever generally um, and then just try and try and basically do what they were doing as much as possible. So that would have been back, yeah, that was sort of mid nineties, mm-hmm. and then uh, I didn't really I, I did so then there was that there was there was a race in ninety seven. Um, which was kind of this, the ultimate race. So it was like a downhill. So on the Saturday, it was a downhill race. On the Sunday, it was a cross-country race in the morning and a dual slalom in the afternoon, all on the mm-hmm. same bike, you know, because that's what you did. Yeah. And, and that and that was my that was my first ever race. Um, uh, that was in Leighton Lodge and Craig Avon Balancing Lakes. So, wow. um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that, was, that was where I... I, I I say that we we made our own body armor. We we myself, my brother, we we cut up um we cut up you know camping mats, you know the foam camping mats. Yeah, yeah. So we we cut those up and and taped them around our, our legs and our arms <laughs> <laughs> and wore wore uh, double jumpers and stuff like that. <laughs> did you draw any? Did you draw any uh, brand names on your foam padding? <laughs> I didn't think of that actually. <laughs> no, no, no. We were we were full on baggy jumpers over the top. Yeah. And it was wow. the time. It was the time Rob Warner, Warner was um, racing, you know, World Cups and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I remember. So I, my, so I was on a fully rigid bike. It was far too big for me because my dad always maintained that, you know, we were going to grow into stuff. I'm five foot two. I don't. I think I've been five foot two since I've been like twelve. But um, he, uh, the, I had uh, V bricks, and my V bricks wore through the front rim, and so my close to the finish line my my whole wheel collapsed and I crashed and all I could remember was watching this video of Rob Warner picking up his bike at a downhill race and running across the line you know mm-hmm. so I was like yeah I can do this I can do this so yeah so that was that was my memory of my my first downhill race was uh absolutely scattering myself on the ground and then and then you know couldn't ride the bike because the wheel was buckled and, and picking the bike up and, and running to the finish line which you'd never do now because you <laughs> <laughs> those milliseconds are just gone yeah like that's amazing and so did your brother encourage you to enter the race or was it something you just wanted to do that's a very good i think i just wanted to be like him so i think he was doing it so i was just copying him mm-hmm. like i was I'm, I'm always competitive i've always been I'd like 
to know, you know, I, I was I was the kid that, you know, if I didn't want to, you know, if my mom wanted the dishes done, she goes, I'll time you, you know, and I'd do the dishes to see. Because <laughs> it was, you know, I'm just super competitive. And um, and then I was always sort of, so it was just, it was just, and I, and I you know, I liked doing stuff that was different than other girls. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't really any girls, you know, on mountain bikes. So I just liked hanging out with the boys and racing, racing, racing the bikes with, with them. So, uh yeah, I don't. I don't think he would have. I I did it very much voluntarily, but I think it was because I wanted to do what he was doing mm-hmm. and hang out with the lads. Yeah. Yeah, and I take it there was no girls in that race. There was actually. Was I can't there? remember who there was. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember their names, but there was um, two or three other girls actually rode that race. Yeah. Um, I can't. I, you know that's that's bold of me now, but um, for some reason I think Beth Beth uh, McCluskey was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was there was actually a couple of girls doing it, which was which was insane because you know it's it's still it's still a minority sport for girls, um, mm-hmm. and and yet back then there was definitely a few on the on the radar. Yeah, and and you you just hadn't got your own category at that stage. You were just lumped in with the guys. I take it. I actually can't remember. I presume I was. Yeah. I, you know, the, I, I can't remember because there was never any sort of, as far as I recall, there was never prize givens or anything. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, you, you did it and you, you went home again. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know, I can't remember is the honest answer. Yeah. Um, I have no trophies or anything from it, but uh, I, yeah, I don't wow. I don't even know. Yeah, was there categories? That's a good yeah, point. <laughs> it's cool. And after racing that first race, was that you? Did you really enjoy that? Were, were you determined then to get better and, and try and get some results? You know, were you bitten by the bug? No. What? <laughs> so then, I, then I went to college and I went to college in Galway and there was nowhere to bike in Galway. So I uh, I ended up taking up rock climbing in Galway and I okay. got into rock climbing for in college for, I don't know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Got you know got into yeah got into pretty much I was in college for six years in in Galway so um I pretty much rock climbed that 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 entire time now I still had a bike and so when I came home to Estrever I'd still I'd still do a bit of biking and I'd do the odd XC race funny enough I didn't do mm-hmm. any downhill races um and uh, yeah I didn't didn't really do any competitive biking the whole way through college. I, I I competed at indoor rock climbing, but um, yeah, the biking the biking kind of took a a back seat. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. just you know needs must. There was just there was nowhere in Galway to to really ride your. Well, there was a couple of like tiny trails, but you needed a car to get to them. Mm-hmm. And I was a student, so that wasn't happening. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I didn't didn't really bike in in through college, and then um, only really kicked off actually. So after after college, I went, so I did a year, and I worked a year in Ireland, and then I went off to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And when I was in New Zealand, I bought a Kona, Kona coiler in Auckland. And I started, started riding an awful lot more biking in, in New Zealand, because it was, it was kind of really taken off there. Mm-hmm. Um, never raced there, but then came back. And uh, yeah, my brother was like, why don't you race? Why don't you race downhill? I don't can't believe why you're not racing downhill. You should give it a go. And I was like, oh no, no, I can't. I don't have enough time. Don't do, can't do this. And uh, he eventually talked me into doing uh, Mallow. Mallow was my first downhill race in 2006. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so there's a huge gap between, well, I suppose not a huge gap, nine years or whatever, before yeah. I started. But I did that first race and then I was hooked. I uh, That was downhill then. I was just, I loved it and yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. And yeah. and how that space of time that, that you missed there. Um, yeah. And it's funny you actually done rock climbing because there's a lot of mountain bikers that actually do that to train, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. And there's actually one of the guys that, uh, one of the young lads that's really good in our club is is in college in Dublin now. And he's he's taken up uh, rock climbing. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, but it's, I don't know what it, it's, maybe it is just that still that sort of, it's not, it's, it's not mainstream. It's different. It's, mm. it's kind of, you're, it's, you're only, do you know what it is? You're only challenging yourself. So it's same yeah. bike, you know, it's only, it's, it's you against the train. The rock is the same. It's, you know, you're not, you're not really, mm. it's not like a team sport where your, your performance, you know, is in, impacting the team. Yeah. Maybe that, I, I don't know. Yeah. And I'm sure it's <laughs> good for bike. If you think of what you would, I'm sure it's good for bike riding because you need, you know, grip strength. Yeah. You yeah. obviously need core, you need upper body strength and balance and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah that's yeah, true. Yeah, you and you need to be able to know how to fall. <laughs> oh, I learned that. I learned that when I was a kid off the ponies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're away for this break of time. Now, how had you, did you see a big change in the scene when you come back home and you started to race downhill again? Had things changed? Big time, yeah, yeah. So all of a sudden you had, well, a you had fully, you know, full suspension. So you mm. you no longer had, so you had full suspension. You had people in, you know, full face helmets were were obligatory at that point. Then, um, uh, let me just, you know, and then your teams as well. You know, or it wasn't as much, but you certainly had the people who were you know, sponsored and they'd be wearing, you know, see so Ben Reed and um, Honcho would have been the other one um, that you would have noticed. Um, John Lawler, you know, they would have been wearing matching kit with yeah. bikes. Glenn O'Brien, um, you know, and, you know, you were just looking up to these people going, oh, my God, you know, they're so cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, they'd all, the, <laughs> they'd all the kit and the names and the, you know, the you just thought they were they were rock stars. Like, yeah, yeah, certainly. <laughs> Certainly, and and how about the girls then? At that stage, was there more girls in it? Did you notice more girls taking part? Uh, at the, at the, that that those first you, no, it was just me and uh, Michelle McMullen, pretty much, mm-hmm. or me on my own. It was uh, yeah, it was just it was for most races. It was just the two of us. Um, you'd get the odd. I'm trying to think. You'd get the odd person would would rock up now and again. Uh, but yeah, no, the first two years, I'd say it was just me and Michelle uh, racing against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, Not so, very much hasn't changed. Uh. Yeah, yeah, in the downhill scene. Um, <laughs> now, that being said, I think, was it 2008? Like, the, there was a huge burst of, of popularity in girls, and we used to have, you know, nine, ten girls on a, a downhill races. Um It was, that was, there was a, it was a really good, I think it was 2008, 2009 was... Mm-hmm. You had a whole bunch of, and they were all, you know, there was, it, they were all like to race. There was none. It wasn't just, oh, I'm doing this because somebody else is doing it. They were, you know, they all were into their bikes. They liked their gear, you know, and they, they were competitive. Like it was, it was, mm. yeah, it was good crack. Yeah. And why do you think that was? I, do, I, do, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where, um, I think there was kind of a, 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 a kind of a, 
increase in biking in, in and around the Dublin area. So most of the girls that I would have would have started, you know, Sylvia Gallagher, Natalie Jetta, um, Orla Power, they were all sort of Dublin based. And I think it was just that, you know, it was becoming much more mainstream and popular in sort of Dublin Wicklow area. Um, mm. But all, all the, yeah, kick-ass girls and, and um, yeah, they weren't doing it for anybody else. They were, they were doing it mm. for themselves, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, totally. And, like, as far as media and stuff goes, were you looking up to anybody at that stage on the kind of professional ranks or were you reading magazines? How were yeah. you getting interested in it? Well, I suppose so you would have had... It wasn't, it wasn't mad into it. Like Tracy Mosley was, um, and, Car- and Caroline Chasson and Tracy Mosley would have been the two kind of two women that you would have been looking up to because they were just, you know, Tracy Mosley was, was uh, winning the you know World Cup downhills. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just she was she was pretty cool. Um, Anne Carroll was another. She was. She was uh, giving the, a lot of the men a run for their money as well. So she was she was another one that we were looking up to at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just can't, you know, like you know, Ben Reed was doing really well at that stage in in Ireland, you know. So he or you know, he was he was racing World Cups and getting some decent results. He had a, I'm near sure he had some top tens at the World Cups. Yeah. Um, you know, and. And that was kind of, you know, you were kind of going, I know him. <laughs> I, I, I'd, I'd see him at races. <laughs> so it was kind of, it was more of that, that sort of, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and then Glenn, Glenn O'Brien doing the, the rampage and stuff like that. Like Glenn. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Glenn was uh, down the road from me, you know, so, you know, and he had the, he had the bleach blonde hair and, you know, he used to, he still does swagger around the place and, but he used to be serious swaggering around the place and. You know, you kind of hero worshipped him a bit as well because you know what he did was, you know, to go out to Utah for the what was the oh, first amazing. or second rampage and come third was just insane. You know, yeah, so totally. that was cool. That was very cool. Yeah, it's cool. It, it definitely is. So, as far as your racing goes around that time, um, can you tell us just a wee bit about that? How you got on? What kind of races you remember and and, and things like that? Yeah, um, we used to. So I, I only did that. So I used I did the kind of. Irish races for a couple of years there and then 2008 so this is when I'm starting to area I'm starting to get old so I, I would have qualified for masters then and um Connor Campbell was like what you know why don't you go race the masters the masters worlds are in France and I was like why you know I can't I, I couldn't compete and he's like you know you could you should try it you know and uh, Tina Cowan so Michael Cowan's wife she was like you know, give it a go. What do you got to lose? You know, so I suppose the the big one there was going out to the the Masters Worlds out in France, and I'd never mm-hmm. done anything that big. Um, and uh, that was that was an eye opener because you just had, you know, you instead of five girls on the start list, you had forty something girls on the start list. Now that being said, they were we were all put into different categories. You know, so you had thirty to forty, forty to 40 to 50 Jesus we're getting really old but <laughs> <laughs> you know so you had those categories and I just you know it was just and I was so used to kind of having my Michelle so Michelle um like Mullen she did it as well with me that year and and she'd actually raced in the past she'd done a few world cups so she was kind of really cool because she um she was like, no, look, you're, you, you know, there's no reason why you shouldn't be here. Because I, at that point, I was like, oh, my God, I'm totally out of my depth here. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, she was like, no, you're just as good to be here as anybody else. And um, yeah, that was that was that was that was sort of longer, faster, um, drier, dustier than any racing I'd ever done mm-hmm. in my life. And um, I actually on so on qualifying, I, I think I qualified tenth or something like that. And I was I was totally stoked with that. I was like, oh my god, this is this is nuts. And um, and then on my last practice run. I was before the race run, I was coming down and I hit a compression and I literally smacked my chest onto my handlebars and I heard this horrible crack oh. and it totally went to myself and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I've, I've broken my sternum and I was just like, oh, I've really messed up now. And I and I rode on down to the bottom of the track and I remember riding into the pits and saying to Tina, Tina, I've I think I've broken my sternum. And Tina was like, no, you haven't. You're fine. You're just nervous. You're just nervous. You're grand. You'll be all right. And Tina actually managed to, to settle me down and talk me down and tell me I was just chuck up and it was fine. Go way up for my race run. <laughs> and uh, so I went up for my race run. And uh, it, it, it is, to this day, it's still the, the, the best race run of my life. I just... It was total focus. I didn't normally like I'll hear people shouting or I'll see things on the side of the track. I was total tunnel vision. I couldn't have gone any better. I couldn't have gone any faster. And uh, I came into the the finished area and Tina was going bananas. And she, you know, uh, she was like, you're third, you're third. And I was like, what do you mean? I can't, I can't, you know, and, mm-hmm. and basically, I, you know, I was just totally delighted to be down and alive and everything else. And, uh, Anyway, the, the, whatever had happened, I, 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 I thought I was third. And uh, so that was cool. And I was like, oh, my God, I've got a bronze medal at the Worlds. And um, it went to the podium presentations and a, a Swiss girl got called out for third. And I was like, oh, my God, this is mortifying. Here I am thinking that I'm and it's total nonsense. It's rubbish. And I was like, you know, totally deflated. Mm-hmm. And the Swiss girl just turned to me and she went, no, no, you beat me, you're second. And I was like, what? <laughs> so that was, that, that, that to this day is, is the, the kind of the, the most insane, amazing day of my, of my, of my career, I think. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I came back home then and I went back into work. And at the time I was working in a and and I was going around like just really stiff and sore. And the A&E consultant looked at me and said, what is wrong with you? I says, oh, I just had a crash off my bike and I'm quite sore. And he says, give us a look. And he, he took me into one of the treatment rooms and he said, you've got a massive bruise on your chest. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's, and he says, have you x-rayed it? And I was like, no, no. He says, you need to go get that x-rayed. It's not right. And uh, so that was grand. I nipped down, got an x-ray, went back to, to my work. And uh, that night I got a phone call. Uh, from another doctor going, um, your patient has a has a fractured sternum, and um, uh, you know they need to be admitted for all these tests. And I was like, it's not my patient, my it's me. <laughs> and I literally, the adrenaline had completely just shut it down for me. It was just, yeah, that that. So yeah, I, I went, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. Yeah. And do you think that's what give you the focus as well to have that really amazing run was just the adrenaline and and the scale of the event you were at and it was just all of that and it was yeah it was um and i was totally like i know this sounds really bizarre but like an out-of-body experience it was just you know 
I, I don't remember feeling any arm pump, any pain, any nothing. It was just like, you know, every corner that was coming up, every line I needed to be on, I was on it and I was, I knew where I needed to be next sort of a thing. It was, you know, mm-hmm. they talk about flow and it was just, yeah, it was the ultimate sense of flow. And the, 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 the mad thing is, 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 um, you know, that evening, another lad, one of the, the lads came over to me and he was like, oh my God, are you not really disappointed how close it was? And I was like, what do you mean? He said it was only point, I think it was 0.79 of a second to gold. Oh, man. And I was like, and this, you know, kind of, yeah, like that kind of, oh man. And then I went, I actually couldn't have gone any better. I, You know, so it's like, it's one of those things where I'm not like, oh man, if I hadn't, if I'd got that line or I'd done that, I would have been world champ. But I didn't have any of that. It was like, no, it was it could, that race was as, as good as it, it could have gone for me. And, and mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was very philosophical, but, um, that was, that was that one. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. But the, 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 the downside of that was then that I, uh, I then started to put this huge pressure on myself. So I was like, all of a sudden it was like, okay, you're not just good in your local area. You know, you're not just, mm. you know, a big fish in a small pond sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. you actually do you can race against these girls from Canada and you know France and all the rest you know but so then I just I, I just used to overanalyze everything then I used to you know I'd I'd be looking at every line you know I, whereas mm-hmm. before I just you know ride the track and kind of be kind of organic about it I just I used to analyze oh should I be there should I be there oh maybe I should you know put it oh it was mad and I actually mm-hmm. ended up putting myself under like so much pressure that I'd be like puking before races and all crazy ass stuff. It was just, it was totally, totally different then, you know, and, and on a, on a, on mm-hmm. another, on another level. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's probably my highlight. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we're to, if we're to narrow it down to highlights. Uh, yeah. Um, and you know, but that's, isn't that funny how the, how the brain works really? You know, you had a broken sternum, but yet you still went up and you had the best run of your life. Um, and then because of that, you it actually hinders your other races afterwards, which is yeah, it's it's just it's nuts. And and you know, I've, I you know, I you, I'd read psychology books, and I was I can't remember the books I was reading and listening to podcasts and going, hi, what happens in your brain that you go from being this. It's that underdog mentality of like, oh, shit, it doesn't really matter. Nobody really cares mm. to all of a sudden, you know, actually, you know, and people, you know, at the end of the day, other people don't really care. That's the one thing I've learned is like, it's only you really cares. Everybody, what well, people just care about them, their own kind of race mm-hmm. and their own day. Ultimately, yes, people will be happy for you if you do well, but you know, nobody's going to, you know, come up to you afterwards and be like, oh my God, you're so shit and can't believe you embarrassed the entire country. You know, Mm -hmm. they don't care. Mm -hmm. But yet I would put myself under all of this kind of pressure that people were watching me and expecting me to perform now. And, and it's, yeah, yeah, it was, that was, that was the only kind of downside of the whole thing. Did you lose, did you lose fun for it? Do you think? Did you lose that fun aspect? I did lose it, yeah, yeah, for a while. I and uh yeah, I I just it kinda got a wee bit too, you know, getting really nervous the week before a race and you know it did didn't go mad, but yeah, it certainly would have lost a bit of the bit of the, the mm-hmm. crack and the yeah 
you know, not not just doing it for the sake of doing it. And, you know, I used to have to tell myself, you know, this is your hobby. You've got a you have a serious job that that is stressful enough. You don't need to make your hobby stressful. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but it did it did for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. It put me under a bit of. Yeah, bit I'm of sure. And did you ever go back to that same race again? I did. I went back the year after. I got silver again. <laughs> you are joking me. Well, you yeah. didn't. Get, you weren't doing that bad then, for frick's sake. No, no. Yeah, no. I went back the year after, and it was a different track. Um, and actually, the Swiss girl that was third, she she absolutely hammered me. Like I think I think there was like a ten second. I think she she won by like ten seconds or twelve seconds, something serious. You know, mm. but it was just it was a totally different. It was you know that that was it. You know, because I was going back with everybody going, you know, you could win the world champs. I, you know, it was just it, that that was kind of it was stressful. Now, I obviously I can I do I can function under a decent amount of stress, but at the same time, you know, there's there's a huge amount of it that's kind of oh my god, is this worth it at all? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was that was yeah. No, I was glad to go back and and you know prove that it wasn't fluke as well because that was the other thing you did. You was like. Was that just a total fluke? Did everybody else just have a really shit race? And, you know, I just, you know, managed to not have a shit race. And, you know, really, I'm not that good. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I went back the, went back the next year. I got, so I got the World Silver Medal. And I, uh, that year, actually, I got, the, there was the European Masters were on in uh, Slovenia. And I, I won, I won those. So that was, that was a good year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty but. amazing. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the, the, but then the, you see, there's downsides to everything. So, the, so those that whole time, I was on a, um, because I'm small, so I'm five foot two, at a push, I'd say, and mm. um, uh, Connor Campbell, um, he would, he was always like, you know, you need to be on a small bike, and I was like, oh, I want to be on a downhill bike, I want to have triple clamps and all the rest, and um, he was like, no, it's, it's going to be too much bike for you, you know, you're going to, it's going to be heavier, and, you know, you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to maneuver it as well, and so, um, but anyway, the the following year from doing that, I got a sponsorship deal from, um, it would have been OC Tuning Bikes in Dublin, and they got me a, a, a solid Mission 9 downhill bike with, you know, coil shock, um, triple clamps up the front. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just struggled. I just struggled for an entire year of, uh, you know, this big, big bike. And, you, you know, unless you're, unless you're, you know, out in the Alps and racing big, big tracks in Ireland, for a small person, you know, a big bike is, is excessive. Probably with Strabber's mm-hmm. about the only place that, that needs a big bike or will take a big bike. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so the, the, you know, I suppose he just being negative now, but no, like it was, <laughs> it was, it was kind of like, obviously it was really cool to be, have a sponsorship deal, have a bike, have my, you know, used to get my forks and all tuned up for me. And, you know, I was, you know, mm-hmm. doing interviews and stuff like that and just feeling pretty awesome. But yeah, I, I, I ended up, I didn't actually then after, after the world's the second time around, I was like, I don't know that I want to go back and have that sort of stress and pressure on myself and, and, you know, not, not actually just enjoy riding my bike. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then yeah, that, you, uh, yeah. Oh, well, you see, I was just going to say, because a lot of people don't realize, but you, you come home to a full-time job as well, don't you? 
And that was it. Yeah. And that was it. Like, and I was at this stage, you know, so I'm a GP now. Um, and the whole time I was doing these, these downhill races, I was, I was, uh, you know, a junior hospital doctor. So I was coming home to, you know, going straight back into crazy ass shifts. Like we were, mm. we were doing, like we were still doing those sort of, you know, 48 hour shifts and, you know, you were <laughs> kind of, it was, you know, such, and then, you know, you had to, you know, if you were looking to race a weekend, you generally had to sh- swap shifts with other people. So then you mm-hmm. were, you know, you had payback time as well. So yeah, it's, uh, it was, it's, it, it took a lot of, took a lot of mental energy, I have to say. Yeah, it's tough. And you talked about sponsorship and, and stuff like that. So how has the sponsors helped, you know, with racing over the year? Because there's, there's a lot of races to attend. It's a lot of weekends away. Good bit of money uh, to spend. Yeah. Um. Was from my point of view, the the most. So the most I got that year was the bike for the bike for the year, and and um, you know, my free service and mm-hmm. uh, and that yeah, that like, but I oh, it was all my own. Like everything else, then you, like at that point, you know, girls, <laughs> there wasn't much kind of. You know, it was you know mountain biking was still small enough in Ireland, so like there you know you couldn't expect bike shops to fund your racing mm-hmm. career, you know, and so yeah, like they they got me they got me the bike in from Germany, um, they serviced my bike, they were you know it so, but you know I had to get myself to races, I had to pay for my races, you know you, everything else I you know I I paid for myself, you know, um, in terms of. You know, but it, at the same time, you know, bikes are expensive. So, you mm-hmm. know, somebody fixing your bike up for you or, or having the use of a bike for for a year without having to pay for it was was pretty nice. And then, um, you know, currently, um, I I am I'm lucky with green bikes. I get uh, I get mates rates discount for for mm-hmm. bikes and parts and stuff. So that's 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 pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's very that's very cool. And what are you riding yeah. at the minute? I'm on a specialized Enduro 29er. Wow, nice yeah. bag. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I, will I tell you what Connor said to me? So I was I was going in, you know, I was going to, right, I'm going to get a new bike, you know, and, and Connor looked at me and he goes, you know, we have, we're getting older. We need something more like a Zimmer frame as opposed to, you know, something that bounces around the place. <laughs> so, so that is why I am on a specialized Enduro 29er. It is right. such a stable bike. It's unbelievable. Problem yeah. with it is, is it just gathers speed. You know, we, that 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 was the <laughs> the first the first few weeks riding it. It was just you know you you were coming on to stuff at you know at much higher speeds mm. than than you'd been ever used to because it mm-hmm. just they just accelerate like you if you pedal strokes into it you know and then you know I was re- I was ripping tires because. You know the big wheels, and the you know you're you're so much more confident. So you're kind of taking these sort of rougher, kind of higher off camber lines because you're like, oh, the bike's going to hold it. Mm-hmm. So then the amount of tires I ripped because it was just, you know, I was just kind of throwing the bike at stuff and going, okay, bike, you do the you do the hard work. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just it was just taking an absolute hammering. But um, yeah, it's on me up now. Aye, definitely. And do you do you find the twenty nine are okay for your height? Ooh, there's the debate now. Um, majority of the time, yeah, yeah. The only time that I would say it's um, 
and I, I, I don't, I wouldn't even call it a hindrance. Is on steep stuff. The when I go out of because you know the everything's my frame's so small compared to the wheels. Mm-hmm. The I'll, I'll hit the back tire, so my arse will be hitting the back tire on the steep stuff. Right. So the, you know, you kind of have to reposition how you how you how you do how you how you ride steep stuff but mm-hmm. other than that i i have i haven't i have to say it kind of feels like being back on a downhill bike again because you've got so much tire and wheel in front of you mm-hmm. um so it's 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 quite nice from that point of view yeah it's very interesting because i know it's it's been said recently over the last few weeks on some of the media channels and stuff that the reckoning 27.5 hasn't got a much longer shelf life left and they're reckoning everything's going to go twenty nine, so mm. it's, I can't. I personally, I personally can't see it. But you know, the the, the one thing that everybody was saying, well, twenty niners don't suit smaller, smaller people. people. Yeah, yeah. But there you are. You're saying it's fine. Well, yeah, you know, as it, you know, as it, there's a few wee adjustments to it, and and certainly steep stuff would be a bit the the one thing. But um, yeah, well, you know, it's. The, the the its ability to roll and its ability to save energy you know that you're not mm. you know you're not using as much energy to try and pedal through stuff and you know keep momentum um you know for me is is i think is is a, is fantastic and i came from so i had a 650b enduro before this so mm-hmm. i've come from the 650b enduro yeah. and you know i absolutely loved it it was class but Every you know, every so often I go, would I go back? And I don't think I would. I think if I went back, I'd feel like I was on a kind of a twitchier, smaller, um, mm-hmm. less stable bike, and that I wouldn't be take. You know, I wouldn't have the confidence to just let go of the brakes and and let her rattle over stuff. And yeah, I, and, yeah. And do you think the twenty nines is playful or? See, I'm tw- not playful, so right. <laughs> It's so not. It it's, you bear. No, it's it's it's. I wouldn't call it playful, but then I'm not a. I wouldn't call myself a playful rider. I'm. If I was to describe my riding, I'd say I'm fairly. I want to. I want to know where I want to go, sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm not flicking anything. No, in my head, <laughs> I do some. In my head, I'm like, oh my god, that was awesome, and like, I'd say if you saw it, it's. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I, I, I'd say yeah, it's no, it's it's a very stable. You have to you you're you know you're cornering and stuff. You're more it's more about really making sure you kind of lean the bike as opposed to steer the bike. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um. But. Hmm. Playful. I wouldn't say it's not playful. <laughs> you know, it's playful enough for me. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> as I say, I'm not a. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider myself a. A playful rider. Like yeah. you look at um look at uh, Hannah Harvey there. So she's the she's my new nemesis. Um <laughs> but she's you know, she's she's hitting jumps and, and whipping and ju- she's she's playful on the bike. So she's she's the new generation of female mountain bikers that, you know, aren't like me who aren't sort of kind of stiff and uh not stiff. You know, if you a lot of women we tend to be very kind of we don't we don't move around as much on the bikes. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. you watch some of the younger ones. So, you know, Hannah Liam Monsell's another one, you know, and they're playful. They're doing they're riding like the young lads, you know, so they're putting pulling in little whips and flicking around corners and mm-hmm. 
you know. They seem they seem to add like a bit of park almost into the trails. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's I'm very... much more meticulous. <laughs> you're well. I w- well. You're what I would call a par rider. <laughs> what was that? A par rider. You know, you you ride with par. You get into the corners with par, and you know you're not kind of sliding the tail out. Yeah. yeah you know yeah, it's. Yeah. It's very concise and, and yeah. very very nice to watch, actually. Mm, let me get it right. <laughs> that is the end of part one, folks. Thank you, Maeve. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to chat to you. And uh, you're certainly an inspiration for anybody looking to get into mountain biking or anybody that is in mountain biking and needs a little bit of stoke to get out in the trails. So thanks so much for coming on and telling your story in part one. You've still lots more to tell in part two, I know. So I'm looking forward to that. So thanks so much. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in to episode 80. If you want to know a wee bit more about Maeve and about the podcast, just go to the website mtb-tribe.com. You will see Maeve's show notes there, a couple of wee videos there, some links so that you can follow what Maeve's doing in the 2019 racing season. And um, it's all easy access there for you. You can also listen to the show via there. You just simply can download the show from the website onto whatever device you use or you can listen to it directly from the website. It's totally up to you. So, folks, if you want to help the show in any way and help this awesome Irish scene, just share the show on socials. I would really appreciate that. You'll find us on show socials at MTB Tribe, both on Instagram and Facebook. And if you share the posts, I would really, really appreciate it and let people know about the podcast Word of mouth is the best way to get it out there and um, it helps the show so much. Now, if you want to leave a review on iTunes, please, that would be great. Just share it with friends, give a shout out, leave comments. Five stars is always the best, of course. It helps the show get ranked and um, helps more people see the show and um, hopefully get more people on the bikes again. And um, I do appreciate it. Now, you can also listen to the show via Spotify, which is becoming quite a big channel now for podcasts. Um, very easy app you can just download onto your phone it's free and you can listen to the podcast there you can also listen via Podbean and Stitcher and they're two good platforms as well so folks thanks so much for being here again if you want more information just go to the website mtb-tribe.com you can subscribe there become a subscriber you'll get one email a week just letting you know what's happening who's coming on the show and a little synopsis of what we will be chatting about So that would be great to do that. Thanks so much. And thanks for being here and tuning in. And until next week, folks, hopefully you'll get out on the bike and have a good ride with the mates.